1: Although I looked like a million bucks and lived like I was making millions of dollars, you know, I really was a backpacker traveling through France, and I had just kind of hacked my way into becoming James Bond to cross a very specific mission off my list of things to do.
0: So when I think about my days in uh, high school, I think about the gamers, I think about the nerds, and I think about the jocks as pretty much three completely separate people and three totally separate communities, which did not mix all that well. This week's guest, Steve Kam, is the amalgam of all three. He's a nerd. He's a geek who loves science and studying and business. He's a gamer, a lifelong gamer, and he's a guy who's obsessed with fitness. And here's the cool thing. He's actually figured out a way to bring them all together and to build a pretty stunning global community called Nerd Fitness that helps people literally get incredibly fit and at the same time turn their lives into like living and breathing video games where they are the main player in a game and it has led him on adventures around the world doing incredible things and we're going to dive into that he's also the author of a great new book called level up your life so we're going to explore his journey together and take you guys on a nerd fitness adventure i'm jonathan fields this is good life project I thought it would be fun to actually start out talking about the story that you told me um, when we were hanging out at dinner when we first met, like, what, a month or two ago, which is the Monte Carlo story, (laughs) because it's, like, the perfect setup, and take me into your experience. My thought process behind it. Not even your thought. First, just, like, layout. Like, take me into, like... It's the day of, okay, and this is what went down. And then take me back sure. to what
1: really was going on. Okay. So it's the day of. This is September of 2000, and September 2011. And I walk into the Fairmont Monte Carlo with a tuxedo over one shoulder and, like, my backpack over the other. I'm in flip-flops and, like, the, you know, those travel pants, I like, the zip-off. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not dressed like a guy that should be walking into the Fairmont Monte Carlo. I walk in and say, excuse me, I have a hotel reservation for the evening. And they're like, uh, are you in the right place? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I know. Check it. It's under Steve Cam. They're like, oh, right this way, monsieur. You know, leave me to my room, which is overlooking the Mediterranean. Just beautiful, beautiful location. So um, this is um, this is a really fancy place. Oh my, gorgeous! Like I'm giggling like a schoolgirl just like walking through this hotel again. Like I don't <laughs> don't necessarily end up in places like that, but I use hotel points and and kind of hacked my way into this location. So I check into my hotel room again. I'm overlooking the Mediterranean. There's you know, infinity pools all throughout the It's just amazing. I walk down to like a local, like a local cafe or something. and I pick up a few beers to bring back to my room for some liquid courage. Drink a beer, change into my tuxedo, and immediately, like, I am transformed into the James Bond version of Steve Camps. So I'm like, <laughs> I am I am in the Mediterranean, I am in this hotel overlooking it, I'm now in a tuxedo, and what else does James Bond need to do? <laughs> he needs to gamble. So I walk up the hill and my walk, I must—I probably was like Travolta in Saturday Night <laughs> Fever. Like that was probably the way I was walking, not intentionally, just the fact that I was in a tux and watching like, you know, million dollar cars drive by me in Monaco. So I go into the Monte Carlo Casino and I sit down and proceed to gamble for like four or five hours playing blackjack and try to play it calm and cool, collected throughout the whole night and ended up winning a, pretty significant, you know, decent amount of money. And I was like, collect, you know, like, calmly collecting my money and playing it cool, you know, with my talks. Meanwhile, on the inside, I'm like, dancing an Irish jig. I'm like, I'm in I'm in this place. I'm gambling. I'm actually making money on this weekend experience. And I get to cross this epic quest off of my giant list of things I'm trying to do. And that was live like James Bond for a weekend. And the next morning, I woke up and like, watched these yachts pulling into the Monaco Harbor. It's like, my life is ridiculous and I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, it's pretty freaking cool.
0: And where did you go immediately after that?
1: <laughs> immediately after that, I returned to my like a $10 a night hostel in Nice, France, returned my tuxedo back to the costume shop that I had rented it from. Like it had this costume shop had giant animal heads and like it was like a really bizarre costume shop and the back wall of this costume store just happened to be tuxedo rentals as well. So Although I looked like a million bucks and lived like I was making millions of dollars, you know, really was a backpacker traveling through France, and I had just kind of hacked my way into becoming James Bond to cross a very specific mission off my list of things to do,
0: okay, which really sets the tone for what <laughs> 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 it's like what is really i mean going it's like you know all if anybody had seen you you know in that hotel gambling in a. Tuxedo, you know, in in Monte Carlo, like, oh, this is, you know, obviously, a, you know, a billionaire, yeah, or the like son there. of an oil right, oil tycoon, exactly. right. And this is just another night for him. And meanwhile, you exit that, go back to a ten dollar night hotel, and hand in your <laughs> rented tuxedo to a costume shop, right? What's really going on here?
1: Up until that trip, and I had never been outside of North America. I'd always wanted to travel and I always wanted to do these things, but I consistently found myself saying eventually, someday, uh, instead living vicariously through my favorite characters in books or my favorite characters in video games. And this just consistently, like this was a recurring theme throughout my life. So after I started my company, Nerd Fitness, and was able to start making a little bit of money with it online... I decided that I was tired of living vicariously through these characters and I wanted instead to start living vicariously through myself. So I create, pulling from those favorite games and books and movies that I loved, I put a system in place and identified the things that I'd initially loved to see in a screen and put them into my actual life. So I was like, I love James Bond, what does that look like? Okay, I need to be able to do gamble in a tuxedo at the Monte Carlo. I grew up watching Top Gun every other day when I was a little kid with my brother. It's like, okay, so I found a place in New Zealand that allows you to fly a stunt plane. You literally sit in a stunt biplane and you the the guy in the in the you know, seat behind you lets go with the joystick and you get to do barrel rolls and corkscrews and flips and things and I then thought like, Oh, I love the movie Finding Nemo. Maybe I can find Nemo on the Great Barrier Reef Or maybe it's something else. So I just started to kind of look at my life as if it was a video game or I was the hero in this epic story I was trying to build and had always loved learning about growing up and set about traveling and having these experiences as cheaply as possible and encouraging other people to show them like, hey, you don't need to be this the son of an oil tycoon or whatever. You just need to have a very particular set of uh, you know, put put a system in place that allows you to do the things that are important to you and cut out the unnecessary things so that those things are almost like an inevitability. Like the things mm. that you're always wanting to do are no longer the someday, it's the tomorrow or it's, you know, two weeks from now or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. And that, what's so cool to me also is that this is the outgrowth of – so you make decision to say that I'm now going to be, you know, like the main player in – A real life video game or a real life, you know, like epic movie adventure or hero's journey, but it came out of you know, like going back even further, it came out of this lifelong love of yours, which is like you're a gamer.
1: Yeah, I was raised by I like to say raised by two loving parents and a Nintendo entertainment system, (laughs) and I remember as a little kid playing The Legend of Zelda, and then going out into the backwoods with friends and imagining. That we were the characters in this game, and you know, making wooden swords and bows and arrows and, and and things of that nature. And I spent a strong majority of my childhood out exploring, but also playing games. You know, I, I saw myself as a character maybe as a little kid. As I grew up, the games got more complex, the graphics got better, the stories got more intricate. I found myself having to use my imagination less and less and less as the games got more and more involved. And suddenly life, before I realized it, life became the boring parts that I had to endure until I could get back into these games and go Mm. kill a dragon or climb over a mountain or, you know, something of of that nature. So I found myself more and more using these games. Initially, they were for entertainment purposes. Uh, Eventually, I realized they started to become an escape for me. And I was dumping 30, 40, 50 hours a week into video games and living out my free time as a, a character in a game. Eventually, got to the point where I was like, This is not healthy for me. This is, I'm not happy. I might be happy, I think, when I'm playing a game, but really, this is not a good balance. What if I take those same reasons why I got so addicted to those games, or why I love certain books or comic books or whatever? What if I take those same mechanics and same, it's almost like behavioral psychology? Reasons, you know, the psychological reasons why those games are so addicting, like, apply them to my actual life and see if I can become the character or if I can become the hero in my own story and what life would look like at that point. And since then, it's been uh, just a, <laughs> I mean, a crazy ride. Like, geez, just Monaco and, and all these other things have been wild.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing because you hear, you know, when you hear your average adult talk about video games, it's generally not in a good, unless it's a gamer, Sure. It's generally not in a good context, you know. It's it like oh, your it's, brain. right, it's destroying us. It's inciting violence and all this stuff, and there's like an addictive element to it. And like you know, there's there are extremes on both sides, sure. but there's going to be some truth to all of that, you know. But so what fascinates me is that if you kind of look at it and say, okay, maybe I'm, feel, I'm actually feeling some of like those potential negative things in my life. But what if I took the fundamental elements that make the game the game? Yep. Like, what if I look at the actual architecture of it? You know, it's like, and why does that only have to happen on the screen?
1: Exactly. It's funny. You don't realize it, but how well these games have been designed to suck you in, to get you to say one more level, or I need to go kill one more bad guy, or just just one more quest, and... You don't realize it, but man, like uh, t- twenty, thirty minutes will go by before you realize it. Hours will go by. Weekends will be lost to these games. So I started to think about like w- what it truly is it about those experiences? And you know, I narrowed it down to a few things. Uh, specifically, just this this idea of the progress principle that I'm sure you're familiar. Yeah, Teresa Mabel. Absolutely. Right. That we actually enjoy as a species making progress more so than we do like the end result of of what we get. So it's the idea of leveling up a character instead of trying to get a guy from level one to level 50 and like only being happy when you reach level 50 it's actually the intermediate steps the levels two three four five six Mm -hmm. whatever uh that that provide the happiness to you and kind of trigger those uh, pleasure points in our brain that make us say "Ooh, i want to do more of that so i thought like why don't we take this progress principle and apply it to real life so and you know and in a game, it's, you don't go from 0 to 50. You go from 0 to 1. And then at level 1, you earn a new sword. That new sword allows you to go explore a new location. That new location has a new bad guy that gets you to level 2. So it's like a very specific set of steps that you can take in order to get from A to B. Nah. And and I started thinking of how I could do that in, in real life. And that's kind of how this, this giant... Adventure quest that took me around the globe uh, really began.
0: So I'm, and I kind of want to go into that quest, but there's something that's that's bugging me. Uh, <laughs>
1: okay. that's,
0: so I, I'm fascinated by this idea of using game mechanics to actually build the way you live your life around it, and get that same sense of just constant feelings of I'm making progress and like, you know, like regular rewards and like constant feedback, like, yeah, moving forward, I'm moving forward, Mm -hmm. I'm moving forward, rather than this, you know, like, okay, I'm going to win when I'm 65.
1: This nebulous goal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, one of the things that kind of like the questions that comes up in my mind is that your average game, like you said, I don't think most people realize the level of behavioral engineering that goes into designing a successful video game. I mean are PhDs, you know, in behavioral sciences, working with, you know, PhDs in coding and just, like, phenomenally brilliant people because the gaming industry, a successful game, you know, is going to make more money than a blockbuster movie. So there's Absolutely. a huge incentive to really understand the psychology of this. But at the same time, when a game finally hits, you know, the public, every conceivable variable and every pathway through it has been mapped. Sure. You know, and so there's... It's like there's no room for serendipity. So when you take those same mechanics and you apply it to real life, how do you account for the possibility of the unknown?
1: Absolutely. Well, to go back to that first point you just made, it's funny, actually, there's an entire industry uh, or entire group of gamers You know, they do like speed runs where they try to see how quickly they can get through certain games.
0: Oh, no, it's like speed chess. Oh, it's speed chess. But
1: it's, you know, so, and people find hacks and, you know, breaks in the code that allow them to do it. So, for example, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, widely considered the greatest game of all time. Somebody found a way to beat that entire game now in 17 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> the first time you play it, it took it took me probably twenty, thirty, forty hours. But people found breaks in the code, um, very similar to you know Super Metroid. People find like ways to sequence breaks. So like, oh, if I get this item first instead of that one, then I can skip half of the levels and move on to this other things. Uh-huh. So there's always a different way to, to approach those things. But to your point, saying like, well, a game is by the most part mostly figured out by the time you get it life is a lot more, I guess, fluid in that sometimes it does change. And in those aspects, I tend to think more towards the idea of the hero's journey, which I know you're also familiar yeah. with, and uh, most people are. But it's the idea that in movies, there's often plot twists. You know, the uh, somebody goes to rescue or goes to... Uh, Find buried treasure, and then along the way, they they meet a woman, or uh, this woman meets a man, and then that person gets kidnapped. And all of a sudden, instead of being a treasure hunting story, it becomes a revenge story or something. So, I've done the best I can to lay out my life in a way with enough structure so that I know what I need to do next. Because I think if you leave it very nebulous, it's very easy to not be able to take that next step. However, I've also taken four, five, six steps or completed a number of quests and then something in my life will change. You know, I spent an entire year living out of a backpack and traveling and then I wanted to have a home again. Yeah. So my, my game then shifted from a world-traveling, swashbuckling adventure game to now it's more of a fitness and music game. Like while writing, while writing this book, Level Up Your Life, I put on 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. I put a strong focus on getting stronger strong focus on getting stronger. Uh, mm-hmm. And I learned to play the violin. And I applied game mechanics to both of those new skills or improved things that I was trying to improve. And my game had changed. And I thought that was, you know, I think it's okay to kind of let people know, like, your quest system go wild when you lay it out and start crossing things off. But as you do, that game might change. Just be open to the idea of a plot twist in your story.
0: Yeah. And and I think, um, as you're saying that, it's also, I think, what kind of what's coming to me is this idea of Part of the game approach also is that, you know, you assume that in the future you're going to have a series of adventures, a series of requests, and a series of challenges. So part of your job is to do things to equip yourself with the skills and the tools to be able to handle it before it happens. And I think that's so powerful because... You, that's a regular part of gaming. You know, I'm not a gamer, but I, like, I played enough when I was a kid to remember it, yeah. that like you know, you want to go get the energy stores and you want to get the, you know, like the swords and the tools because sure. you know that stuff is coming. Mm-hmm. I don't think we do that in everyday life, so I think there's a really interesting lesson there.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I talk about this, and there's a chapter called How to... I think it's, it's a whole chapter built around Jason Bourne yeah. and building your body so that it is equipped to handle kind of anything. So, for example, I went rock climbing in Thailand, and I've never gone outdoor rock climbing before. I probably hadn't climbed in years prior, you know, up until that point. I can't tell you last time I went and did it. But I was able to do it incredibly well because I had truly focused on kind of making my body prepared for any physical activity that that I could throw at it. So it's kind of like you spend those first few levels in, like, newbie land, like, learning certain skills and learning things that then translate to any skill path that you take beyond that. And I think the cool thing is that many skills are pretty complementary. They're additive. So, like, when right. you get stronger, it also allows you to rapidly learn another skill, whereas if you had just started with that other skill but didn't get stronger before. So,
0: like, what's an example of that?
1: What? Uh, I mean, I think rock climbing is a great example. So, I made sure when I was traveling that I found a place to exercise every other day. And my gyms were often playgrounds that I would find. I'd check into a hostel in some location. I'd pull up, like, a Google map and look for a patch of green on the map, and I assume that was a park, and there'd be hopefully a tree or a swing set or something. And I would just go do pull-ups and push-ups and squats, like, nothing, nothing drastic. But because I had made that part of my game, like, I have to exercise every other day in order to keep my body prepared for anything... Then all of a sudden if i'm if I'm tasked with going on a very long hike or I have to go rock climbing or I'm you know gonna play uh, go play soccer with you know local people in a particular city or country or something like I'm already prepared for it and I'm doing much better at those things had I just instead of not exercising nah. and not have not making it a focal point it made everything else that I did a lot easier
0: so it's like it it, all, it gives you the ability to say yes to so many more things as they come at you rather than saying no I'm not actually like give me a couple of months and then I can say yes it's kind of just like well okay
1: <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a great way to put it it's when you prepare yourself for everything you can do anything which is I realize kind of pretty broad but when you can train your body and prepare itself to do various things it makes you like you said it, it removes that barrier between there's some that's something i want to do and i'm going to do it compared to i'd love to be able to do that someday yeah. and like if you're in a foreign country like who knows when you're going to get a chance to come back and do that thing but you also need to take care of yourself so like properly preparing your body for anything up front allows you to do those things in those locations that you're like man that is so freaking cool i'm so glad i did it
0: yeah and i think it also it prepares you to handle some of negative stuff. Also, I mean, it's funny because I have I'm, I'm a meditator. You know, I sort of invest in a daily One day
1: forty two right now. Awesome. fifteen days, 15, 15 minutes a morning. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm working on it,
0: <laughs> leveling up the. Meditation. I'm leveling up the meditation. Awesome, <laughs> love it. You know, but over the long term, like the practice has this, like you said, it has this additive effect where. It's just when you have a practice and it's it develops over time. It's not like this intervention type of thing. It's a thing where it's just you just notice that when something that would normally have just knocked you comes into your life, you're just like I'm actually more okay than I, I would have been. I can kind of read through it, you know. Um, sure. But the time to start that practice it's just like the old thing about like planting a tree you know, like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago like the next best time is now right you know the thing about the practice is yes you know like if you're if you get hit by this horrible thing in your life that you have to deal with and where some sort of daily practice movement or meditation is really going to help start now sure. but had you started a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago you know it's much easier to start that practice when you're not in the throes of drama and trauma and develop that in a more peaceful time than it is when you're like, when you need it the most, the challenges were, were not incentivized to do that. Mm-hmm. What I like about your is It kind of gives us this external incentive to do that.
1: Sure. When you build in a, a good reward system and a good accountability system, it's funny. There's a quote. I, I think it's, uh, I've, I can not remember where I got it. I think it was in a, you know, Cura, Q U O R A how do you pronounce that? Uh, it was somebody asked a question like I always wanted to exercise or like oh man I'd love to travel or I wanted to write a book but I can't get myself to get motivated to do it and that the response that the best the highest upvoted response was like screw motivation cultivate discipline. Hmm. And I was like oh, man that's good. That's good. <laughs> and then I started thinking through it and it's like okay instead of like I have to get myself to exercise. Like, what if you structured your life and you surrounded yourself with allies, very much like in a video game where you surround yourself with people that are better than you and you get yourself the best equipment for your character to have the best possible chance of succeeding. What if you could structure your life so that instead of having to be motivated to start meditating every day and you'll always put it off until all of a sudden it's too late... What if you could build that system into your life so that the success is a foregone conclusion? Like I noticed something very similar with when I had started traveling, you know, the smallest things would probably set me off for like, oh, I'm, run- I'm running late for this, or oh, I might miss this bus, or you know, what it may be. But once I was traveling through foreign countries and understanding like things happen, like you know, you, you pile into a bus with you know hundred people in it, and it just doesn't stop at the stop you're supposed to get off at for no reason. You have no idea why. <laughs> Be like, okay, I can deal with this. I can get through it. And I came back from that trip like a changed person. I was like, the small, you know, sitting in traffic is like, okay, like, this is, it is what it is. Like, life goes on. Things are going to be okay. Uh, Certain setbacks that would have probably wrecked me before had me then instead looking at it like an obstacle that had to be overcome. It's like, Mm. ooh, okay, like, this is. How can we MacGyver our way in or out of this particular situation? Like, what what are the skills that I need or the the, the tools I can implement to to pull this thing off? So, it, using those same game mechanics allows you to get into and out of situations that you might have not otherwise been prepared to handle. If you start building and setting the proper gamer mindset, I guess. Yeah. and that right now,
0: <laughs> right, and and that's also that's one of the biggest challenges in life. You know, it's like. We know that something like 95% of all you know primary care physician visits wouldn't need to happen if people actually invested themselves in preventative care rather than, oh, something's wrong, I have to go see a doctor. But I had, this may have been actually the first – it may have been the first conversation we ever recorded with this. I'm trying to remember. First or seconds with Dan Ariely, who's this legendary yeah. behavioral economist. And he researches why people do weird things that we do. <laughs> you know, completely, right, You're, you know, be, what's his name? Predictably irrational, right? Yeah. So we, we like to think we're logical people, but we're so far from that. We're so dumb. <laughs> and, yeah, and we got into this conversation about, like, why don't people, we know that we should be doing it, we know we're going to pay, like, way down the road, but we still, we just don't do it. And it's like when there's not this sense of, of almost visual or tactile, like when we can't feel it now, we just don't take action, and so what I like about what you are saying is, you know, if you think in terms of how do I like what what's the structure that I can put in place today, and then use the word rewards, and actually want I want you to go more into that. Mm-hmm. what are the rewards that I can put into place today that would actually make me engage in this behavior now, even though like potentially like the ultimate benefit wouldn't be experienced. Until way down the road, sure. or it just might be serendipitously experienced or not. Like, sure. But how do we how do we put in place the structure and the reward to start taking action now?
1: Well, I do love the idea of reward, and we all know, you know, I, I, in my head I picture like a guy sitting on a donkey with <laughs> with a stick and a carrot, <laughs> and like the donkey is just dutifully walking forward. And to an extent, like that happens in our brains. Like we see the thing that we're reaching toward, and it makes all the the thing that we kind of don't want to do more and we can endure it more because we know that there's this this reward at the end of the tunnel the way i think about this i think differently than many people is i really focus on creating reward systems that reward me back and again Mm. this goes back to a video game so when you reach level five you get a new spell that allows you to kill a more difficult bad guy or a better sword that allows you to go explore a new location or you unlock a key that lets you go someplace new and What most people do in real life is they're like, oh, if I run five days this week, then I get to eat an entire chocolate cake because I earned it.
0: Right. It's a reward that sets you back.
1: Yeah, it's three (laughs) steps forward and two and a half steps back. Or more often than not, people don't realize, but it's three steps forward, four steps back. Like they would have been better off not exercising (laughs) and not eating the cake than doing both of those things. So instead of rewarding yourself with things that almost sabotage your efforts to move forward. I like to think of things that reward me with a way to encourage me to continue further down that path. So let's say you're trying to lose weight and you say, I'm going to go to the gym three days a week, every week this month. If I can complete all of those workouts, if I can complete this workout quest that I've created for myself, I will then allow myself to buy two new shirts one of which is now the right size that actually fits me, and one is slightly smaller than the one that I just purchased so that it gives me further incentive to want to continue this path of living healthier. Maybe it's uh, you want to write a book for the first time. Okay, well, if I write 500 words every morning for the next month, then I'll allow myself to buy a ticket to this writer's conference I've always wanted to attend. So it's consistently identifying a reward system that still brings you joy and happiness and gives you something to look forward to but that reward you i look at it almost like a treasure chest like when you open up that treasure chest when you earn that new item it further reinforces this new normal for you and that new normal is i'm a writer i'm healthy i am i run i now run marathon or i'm going to run a marathon i'm a traveler whatever it may be those things are just consistently reinforcing this new behavior that you're trying to build and we all know how tough building a habit is When you can leverage any possible outsider influence, I think, on that, or any outside influence on that and allow you to not have to use willpower, it makes it so much more powerful and thus makes it so much easier for you to actually follow through with Mm. making it a new habit.
0: Talk to me about the the difference then between leveraging intrinsic versus extrinsic or internal versus external rewards along the process. Because I love the concept of rewards. I'm thinking about Dan Pink's work and like his book drive and yep. like where he really went into motivation and he was looking at like the carrot versus the stick. Absolutely. So, and, um, my concern is that if the rewards are all focused outside, like I'm going to get something mm-hmm. rather than intrinsic, like we've stopped doing it or we kind of cut off like the, the possibility of doing it because it becomes a thing we can't not do because sure. it's intrinsically rewarding. And we're always looking for the carrot like forever. And then, God forbid one day comes where like there are no more carrots available. (laughs) Or like, all right, I'm good. I'm done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. And uh, I I think there is a really important balance between the extrinsic and uh, intrinsic. I think to start, and I've seen this hundreds upon hundreds of times with uh, my business, Nerd Fitness, people are like, they build this reward system and they're like, I just want to lose 50 pounds and I just want to do this, you know, I I, I want to lose weight. I want to feel better. Whatever my reward is going to be, something uh, external. However, once they get started, and they start moving down this path, their clothes start fitting better. They start to realize, like, oh, I like I'm. Inst- I, I was initially only doing this because of that reward because I had thought of what eventually things could happen. Somehow along the way, I've actually fallen in love with this concept, of, like I actually enjoy working out now. Mm-hmm. And that is my favorite email to get from people that like, I never thought I would say this, but I enjoy working out. And it kind of goes back to this concept of an, a flow, and I would totally try to pronounce the guy's name, Mikhail Chis. Yeah, for... man.
0: <laughs> I, I butchered it probably so many times. I think it's Mihaly, sent me. Hi, but... Don't quote me for that. That's perfect.
1: So uh, I talk about that quite a bit, quite a bit in the in the book as well. But it's this concept of almost losing track of time, so that these initial things that you had started and you would use external rewards to, to get you started, it becomes this internal, intrinsic reward to. Get yourself into that state of happiness, of bliss, of losing time. Uh, and for me, I, I had to create a reward system in order to get myself to start playing the violin because I was so intimidated by it. Sure enough, after I got through a number of months of, of playing it and and having this external reward, suddenly like I just love to pick that thing up and make horrible noises with mm. it and, and be awful with it. But I'd lose track of time. I'd, when earlier I couldn't get myself to play for half an hour, so I wouldn't play at all. I had to kind of restructure my environment, so I would say it was okay to only play for five minutes a day. Yeah, and sure enough, after I played five minutes, I didn't want to put it down, and it, it became something then that like I truly looked forward to, and became something that I could get in the flow of because it was the perfect level of challenge, and it there was a I could tell that I was getting better, I could see progress, which are the exact same reasons why people get in the zone when they're playing a video game. It's pretty cool to watch. Yeah,
0: I mean, so I I experienced that same thing. When uh, I owned a yoga center and taught yoga for years, but then I sold the company. And I kind of felt myself, I had to kind of pull away from the physical practice for a, a long time, actually. And when I've sort of made decisions to move back to it, because your average yoga practice is 90 minutes. Sure. And when you're feeling good and you're fit and like you're back in the groove, it's awesome. Like you don't want it to end. But just like starting anything, you know, no matter how much it was a part of you at some point, you go away from it for a while and coming back, it feels really... And I remember telling myself, like, I'm not going to commit to waking up every morning and doing a full practice. It's just, like, wake up to three sun salutation days and three sun salutation days, and you're, like, That's five, it. ten minutes tops. Invariably. It's exactly like what you said. I get through the last one. I'm like, I'm going to do a little more. Right. A little more. And you're, like, 45 minutes, an hour later. I'm like, oh, that was really good. But had I actually said I'm going to wake up and do, like, a one-hour practice, I
1: probably would have never I done it I don't that. have time for an hour. I just won't do it. Yeah. It's like, Okay. We only have time for five minutes? Okay, I can do that.
0: The other thing that I was thinking as you were talking was, my sense is that, I'm curious whether you you agree with this, that things that start intrinsically enjoyable and then we bring in some external reward, we kind of then rely on the external thing. If we take it away, it almost like bastardize it, we might not go back. But things that don't start intrinsically rewarding, like exercise, for example, or Mm -hmm. playing an instrument, you know, where it's, we suck, it's hard, it's so difficult. It's painful, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and we're supposed to, you know, but so there's very little reward in the beginning. It's just not fun. Until you get to a point where like, you're either like a bit fit or a bit confident, or like you have like this baseline level of proficiency where it starts to be a little bit fun and start to feel a little bit good. Mm-hmm. Like in those things, I think you're right. I think it's like, it really it can be super helpful to provide that external source like long enough to get to that point sure. where if it, if that external thing keeps being there or not it really maybe it is maybe it is but it really doesn't matter anymore after that. Mm-hmm. Point.
1: Yeah, so like play, playing the violin it was like I just have to play 10 minutes a day. Yeah. You're going to be terrible whatever that's totally fine but you got to play for 10 minutes a day and you know, the goal was after I played for X number of months, I could then, uh, you know, I started with, a like, I rented a violin from a store in Nashville, 30, 20 bucks a month or something. But after six months, if I was still sticking with it, then I could upgrade to a nicer violin, which then encouraged me to continue playing nah. And I remember, like, uh, finally playing my first song all the way through in the violin, and I was like, that wasn't half bad. <laughs> like, hey, that actually sounds, that sounds okay. Like, it was, it was pretty cool. But I, I had to be okay with sucking yeah and nobody wants like you have to like give yourself permission to be terrible at something and i think back to any any game any whatever nobody starts at level 50 you start at level one you know if you're taking dance lessons your first dance moves are going to be those of a drunken giraffe you know if you're playing the violin you're going to sound like a screeching cat and it's cool like i share a number of stories throughout the book of people from all walks of life that are that have used Uh, this idea of gamification and and the nerd fitness community, this rebellion that we've started to kind of use like 20 seconds of courage to get them to start doing something they've always wanted to do, but are afraid of. And there's a, there's a great story of a a woman in the book who in college told herself she always wanted to dance, but could never get herself to do it. So she just worked up the courage to go to the dance studio and sign up for a class. And she didn't even dance. She stood in the back Hmm. of the room and just watched for like, I think it was like a week at least and then she finally, like, got in the back row and, like, sheepishly went through the movement. But she just, she showed up. And she got okay, she convinced herself it was okay, that she was going to be terrible. And now she, like, competes in dance competitions in college. And she she used that, like, confidence-building experience to then quit a job that she didn't like while working at, you know, while being a full-time student to get a job, the best job on campus as from her perspective. So it's, like, pretty cool to see these things happen. But you have to be okay with that first terrible step that first bad
0: note yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's just wouldn't it be nice if there were a way around that but, <laughs> there, but, is. but there is but but actually no, that's i think that's wrong actually because i think the the thing that makes it so awesome when you like stick with it long enough that you start to feel good is the fact that you were so bad the the very first moment. the fact that it was so terrifying the fact that it, like you just you were shaking in the back of the room yeah that's what makes it so awesome when you you kind of like pass through to the other side.
1: It makes that reward so much or it yeah. makes that that sense of accomplishment so much greater. Yeah. Which is which is cool. Yeah, that's a great point. Without I think it, it, some people I, I like in the book, I like to say like some people get to play the game of life on easy, you know, and they're like six five genetic genetically perfect and can do anything and everything they put their minds to. And for us normal Jackson Jills and Joes a lot of things are a, a lot bigger struggle and what I set out to accomplish with the with the violin and also was taking voice lessons as well because I'd always told myself I was a terrible singer like what I set out to accomplish was to prove to myself that anything can be learned yeah my ceiling might be a lot lower than somebody else's that is in a comes from a, a musical family or has been playing music their truly their entire lives and singing their entire lives but I wanted to kind of prove myself wrong that like You're going to start terrible, but if you stick with it and consistently practice, you are going to improve and get to a point that you feel pretty good about it. And I'm now at the point where I feel pretty good about those two particular things, whereas prior to that, I was just like, this is, I'm never going to get there, but I still have I remember I took a video of it, of myself playing the violin the first day. Yeah. Like I came home from my first lesson and I was like, here's a video of me playing the violin. And it is so painful. Look at, <laughs> like, it is, I'm holding it wrong and the notes are all off. My fingers are in the wrong place. And like you look at my face and like my whole face is contorted, trying to like mentally wrap my head around how to play this newfangled instrument. It's pretty funny. And now I have that. I can. Thanks to the wonderful technology, I can look back on myself at that moment and realize, like, how far I've come, even though it still feels like I have a tremendous way to go.
0: Yeah, and share what your ultimate goal is for the violin. <sighs> it's pretty cool. Okay,
1: so my ultimate, it's bold. my ultimate goal for the violin, and now that I'm saying this out loud, <laughs> means <laughs> I have to do it, uh, is uh, I have to go to Ireland, and I have to sit in a pub, either in, let's say, Dublin or Galway, where local musicians bring their instruments with them. And they sit around and they play traditional Irish songs together. So I have a book of traditional Irish music. Turns out I just recently uh, relocated to New York City. There is a pub two blocks down the street from me that has live Irish music every Wednesday night.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: uh, and, and not only that, but now I have a friend of mine uh, who invited me to be in his wedding in Ireland January thirty. I'm sorry, December thirty first of 2016. Which means I have like oh, you a very have like specific a date on
0: the calendar. Yeah. I have a date on a
1: calendar. I now know exactly how far back I need to go. I'll know what less what songs I need to learn. There's no room to back that up anymore. It's so like I have yeah. to, I have to do it, which is which is lighting a fire under my butt. Something that is seems so far away, really isn't, and it's introducing that goal, that very specific mission that allows me to think back and say. Look, I better get my act together on this thing. Like it's yeah. real now. This
0: is real. No, I love that. It's like it puts the timeline on. It It sets up this creative tension. Like, okay, I need to work backwards and make it happen. Yeah, exactly. You've thrown out two things a number of times now that I want to speak to because, for the most part, we've been talking about your journey and your sort of like really kind of fascinating lens on turning your life into a living, breathing game. But you've you've also talked about these two things: nerd fitness and the rebellion. So this is not just about you. Sure. Um, You've created something much bigger. And you came out of a, just kind of like shorthand, you came out of a background where you're working pretty traditional life, pretty traditional jobs, not having fun, you know, kind of doing the thing that was just like following society's expectations of you and it was emptying you out. And then you decided to radically change something and in the process started these things, nerd fitness and the rebellion as part of it. And, blew up this global community and like a whole new career in the business so take me into the genesis of this and then what what is it yeah
1: <laughs> so i started exercising in my sophomore junior year of high school i had just been cut from the basketball team and initially i thought this was like the worst moment of my entire life like how do i even go back to school tomorrow no you know <laughs> fortunately it was the, probably the best thing that ever could happen to me terrible at basketball. I had no business being on the court. And I remember going to the gym for the first time and having no clue what I was doing. I remember walking in, being scared, and intimidated, going through a workout that did absolutely nothing for me. But I started to like this idea of like, oh, maybe I'm going to get, maybe I'm going to get fit. And I spent the rest of high school and all of college exercising fairly regularly whenever I wasn't playing EverQuest or or PlayStation or whatever. Which
0: is not the, like, the normally you think somebody who's like a hardcore gamer, you're like, okay, they're on a couch, they're in the dark, they're never moving their body
1: I did a lot of that, too, but I also right. forced myself to get off my butt. Right, but it's like you had these two
0: extreme sides sure. of you, which you just don't think about. Yeah, it's you, like you, being part who, of the same human would, being.
1: <laughs> yeah, who would want to do both of those? So after college, I moved out to San Diego with my brother, and I got the aforementioned traditional job. I was in sales selling construction equipment but I know about construction equipment. <laughs> not very much. As a result, I was not a very good salesman. Uh, but I, I signed up for a gym membership out there, and they gave me some free personal trainer sessions. And the guy's like, okay, what have you been doing for a workout, and how do you eat? I'm like, well, I've been training for six years, and I know what I'm doing, so here's my workout. I do this, 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 and I eat this. He okay, we're going to get rid of all of that. Hmm. It's wrong. You're going to do squats and deadlifts and push-ups and pull-ups. And then we're going we're gonna to change your diet around and help you eat better. And I had more success in 30 days than I had had in six years prior to that. Hmm. And this light bulb went off my head. I was like, man, if it took me all of this time to struggle through these things, like there's got to be people out there that are in a similar situation as me, probably love the same nerdy things that I do, but don't have six years to struggle through all this stuff. So this is right around the time that uh, Tim Ferriss' 4 Work Week came out. And I remember reading his book and there was a point that said, like, pick a social group you're a part of and something you're good at and see if you can kind of create like a product or a community around those things. And I thought to myself, like, well, I just finished building my own computer, reading Harry Potter in between job site visits. And I've also up at that point, you know, this has been about a year after I started the job, spent a year actually eating and exercising properly like I bet I can help other people that are brand new to fitness that don't want to go to bodybuilding.com, will not sign up for CrossFit, and are probably too self-conscious to go to a gym. I was like, oh, nerd fitness? Maybe maybe that's a thing. I don't know. So I Googled it and nothing popped up. So I bought nerdfitness.com <laughs> and sat on it.
0: Were you surprised to see it? <laughs>
1: no. t- it's funny, like I- I guess when I bought it, you know, I bought it now eight years ago. Right. Like, now, like, thanks to all the Marvel movies, like, being fit and nerdy is, like, it's in. Right. But eight years ago, I don't think, eight years ago, I was, like, I'd play EverQuest and build computers and read Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, But I also want to help people get fit. So I sat on it for a good year and a half. Didn't do anything with it. Uh, actually, I, at that time, I quit the quit the sales job. I moved to Atlanta, got a job in marketing complete departure. I was like, I got to get out of San Diego. This is not a good fit for me. This job is sucking my soul out of me and it's not a good fit. So moved to Atlanta, got a job with a great company that uh, charters floating music festivals. Uh, Literally, we rent cruise ships, like full 2000 person cruise ships and put 40 bands, 30, 40 bands on them and turning in these great festivals. And while I was there, finally worked up the courage to start writing articles with Nerd Fitness and because I stumbled across a mutual friend of ours, Chris Gillibo, mm. who had written an ebook called 279 Days to Overnight Success. Right. And his whole thing was like, just get a community of people together, ask them what they want, and then build things for those people. I was like, okay, I can do How that. How hard could that be? <laughs> yeah, I think I can do that. Like, let's just start writing articles and getting people interested in nerd fitness. And I just started publishing content, helping beginners get fit. And I wasn't a great writer when I started, very similar to being terrible at the violin or terrible at singing or whatever. But I made it like, I almost like created like this alter ego version of Steve. Like by day I was marketing assistant in this cruise company, but mm. by night I became the leader of, of nerd fitness. And I was just, uh, I was just writing blogs and, and writing art, you know, writing articles and, connecting with people but it's very like a one-way street people would email me and i would email them back but they weren't talking to each other and i thought if nerd fitness was going to become what i thought it could become we needed to have a community aspect to it so we introduced message uh introduced message boards and thought of what our community should be called i was like no community doesn't sound nerdy enough so i mm-hmm. think i would put out put out a post on the website and i was like do you guys want to st- build an empire or start a rebellion you know thinking star wars and like over- overwhelmingly the response came in like we want to we join the rebellion like that sounds way cooler like we're rebelling against nerd stereotypes we're rebelling against right. foods that are unhealthy we're rebelling against sedentary lifestyles and, I, and then I looked up you know Rebel Alliance and saw that their color scheme for the Rebel Alliance was like kind of like concrete gray and, and maroon red and, and, and uh, black and I was like that's cool and the nerd fitness logo was already circular and the rebel alliance logo was circular so i was like oh man it's like it's meant
0: to be it was yeah
1: you mentioned serendipity a few times that was it was it was like one of those moments where i was like all right i got it we are the rebellion you're gonna join the rebellion so like my my focus shifted it went from instead of like this is me and my journey my journey to it's like this is our journey and this is who we are these Mm -hmm. are the 10 rules that we stand by and i would love for you to check them out if you're interested welcome we'd love to have you uh, if you read these 10 rules or these 10 things that we stand for and you're not interested, that's fine too. There's probably another community out there for you. But by putting like, these these kind of rules in place and giving us a voice and giving these people a way to talk to each other, things just slowly built up from there. And now it's uh, truly a worldwide, worldwide community of people on I don't think we have anybody in Antarctica yet, so we'll say six continents that are helping each other get fit and sharing their stories and passing along their own hero's journey that they're on, and and sharing their It's it's become something pretty powerful, and I'm just really excited to be a small part of it, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty amazing when you think about what you've built because we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, three hundred something thousand. Subscribers yeah. and a message board community that is really thriving and millions of you know page views and a million. Visit. I mean, it's 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 crazy, mind blowing. Honestly, it, it doesn't feel real still. Yeah,
0: and at the same time, you've also. I mean, you're not working on the cruise ship festival thing anymore. Um, this has become your full time living. So, at what point in your mind did you start to to say to yourself, "This could be the thing that I do"? As like, this is my. This is my, sure. This is my career. This is my. This is what I'm building. Like I can focus all of my energy on this. Earn a living. Take care of myself. Build a community and help other
1: people. There's a few moments. I think the the very first one that was the the initial catalyst was I got an email from a random person that was like, "Hey man, stumbled across your website. Love it. I'm down 10 pounds." And I was like, "Oh my god, people are reading this thing. Like this is <laughs> this is actually. It's not just my mom and my friends anymore. People are actually reading it." And fast forward six months, and I'm still writing every day and trying to get better. And I stumbled across uh, Brett McKay over at Art ArtofManliness.com, sure. who was one of the best communities on the That's planet. Amazing. Just just really well done what, what he had done. So I emailed him and was like, hey, man, I'm a huge fan of what you do and how you do it. Just please keep doing it. Like, I'm just, I'm a fan. And he emailed back. He's like, hey, dude. Click through, you know, I didn't even, I don't even think I linked to Nerd Fitness. He just saw that my email address was, you know, at Nerd Fitness. So He's like, hey, I was intrigued by the idea of Nerd Fitness. So I clicked through to it. I, I love what you're doing. Do you ever want to write a guest post for me? Like, let me know what I can do. In the meantime, I'm just going to start sharing your stuff with my community. I was like, Whoa. Okay. Maybe if, yeah. if this guy who has a community and is a full-time job thinks what I'm doing is heading down the right path, maybe I can help some people and make this work. And that it took about a year and a half. Of consistently working every day, like you know, my alter ego, Steve Cam, rebel leader of Nerd Fitness, still working the day job. And then I remember going on one of those cruises, sitting with my my parents. Actually, happened to be on this cruise that we had a few extra cabins, so we could invite friends and family at a discounted rate. If you know, any if we had some last minute cancellations. So my parents come on the cruise, and I tell I'm noticing after having worked for this company for two and a half years that like, my excitement was now in the website. And it was, uh, I, it had shifted from being really passionate about this day job to, like, I have something here. Like, I have this community. I'm excited about it. And I remember telling my dad, like, Dad, i got to quit. <laughs> and he's like, okay. So he's like, let me get this straight. Like, you're going to stop hanging out with rock stars in the Caribbean to hang with overweight nerds online. <laughs> yes. Are you making any money with it yet? No. Do you have a backup plan? Kind of, but not really. Are you making, Yeah, what? you know, what's, what's your strategy for the community? And I said, like, hey, guys, this is kind of weird considering I haven't made any money with it yet. But Nerd Fitness is now my full-time job. I had enough money saved up to get me through, like, two months, I think. Like, a very small runway. But I had spent 18 months building this community. I was like, guys, I'm going to find a way to make this work. I'm going to put out an ebook a month from now. I've been working on it for a while. I hope you buy it. If you don't, that's totally fine. I'll still be writing two articles a week, every week, Man. from now until whenever. And if I don't sell enough of them, then I'll pick up side jobs and odd jobs, like I, which I ended up doing anyway, just to make sure I could pay the bills. Like I painted soundstage floors for like music videos from like two till six in the morning, and you know I was pushing around concert equipment. I pretty much leveraged any any job that I could find yeah. to pay the bills until I sold enough e-books that it bought me a, a few months of income, and then just kind of slowly ramped it up from there.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing to see what you built. And it's funny because. I love the fact also that you were willing to do whatever you had to do to make it happen. And that there's so there was something inside of you that said, This is possible. Yeah, there was just something that said like this is there's something here, this is possible. And one of the one of the conversations that comes to me a lot, I'm curious whether you've had this conversation with a number of people too. Because you really sort of like you, you play the role of a mentor, you know, like in, for, to a lot of people now. And I mm-hmm. guess is a lot of people look at you and kind of like, I want to do what Steve did, not just in being like the nerdy fitness guy, but I want to build something similar. Sure. And one of the questions that comes up so often comes to me is, how long do I stay with this? You know, mm-hmm. and I've never found a really satisfying way to deconstruct that. I'm, I'm curious just what your thoughts are on it.
1: Oh. <sighs> How long do I stick with it so it's I think I even like make a caveat like mention in the book like yes I realized I quit my job and yes I realized I wasn't making any money with yeah. this business yet but like I had started two or three other blogs I think before I had started nerd fitness and fizzled out on on them and the first one I think was a music blog where I was like I'm gonna review albums and get free concert tickets like that was the extent of what I had thought and then I think I try to start you know it might have been a video game blog or something and and for whatever reason, this idea of nerd fitness came around. And although I, it, I hadn't intended for it to happen, you know, initially I was a very skinny, weak individual that found a way to get stronger and healthier. So initially, I was going to help skinny nerds get get uh, get healthy because that's the, the the initial message I could present. And then I remember I got my first email from somebody that had been overweight and lost a significant amount of weight, and the satisfaction that I got from that feeling was like. I, I helped this guy change his life like, and probably say helped him save himself ex- a few extra years and change his quality of life. And as soon as that happened once, I was like, there is some way, somehow, this will be a business. Hmm. I don't know if it's going to be eBooks, I don't know if it's going to be advertising. I don't know if it's going to be personal training, whatever it may be. But there's something here that's powerful. And after getting enough emails from people saying, like, I feel like I found my home, you know, they're like the one person in their group of friends that is like, well, I like to play video games, but I also want to take care of myself. And if their other friends aren't interested, they have nobody to get excited about when they run their first mile or they do something that is, you know, they stay home early so they can get up and go to running club in the morning or whatever it may be. And as, as, fo- as, as soon as I found more and more of these people stumbling across it, I was like, this is, this is it. I don't know mm-hmm. how long or how long it's going to take. But I will find a way because I know it's, it's making the world a better place, you know, one, one person at a time. And I think that was really valuable to me to allow me to get through that dip, you know, Seth Godin says, get through that low point of I've been working on this forever. I'm only slowly building an audience, but I think people are liking it. I think that's really important for for me was to know that I'm improving other people's lives, yeah. and that was that was what got me through those those low moments. It's sure. like
0: the deeper ethos, which just says there's yeah. It's not just I'm doing, but like this is making a difference. And it's so interesting to me also is that you know you combined. You weren't just starting a blog. You weren't creating content. It wasn't a media property. It wasn't a product. It was, you were creating a world, and you were creating. A world um, for people that I think probably felt like nobody had spoken to them before. And then you were offering a set of beliefs. You were offering an alliance and a place to belong. And you were offering a structure, you know, like everyone, research is clear as day for sustained lifestyle change. Community is the unlock key. Mm-hmm. So you were offering this, and then you were offering methodology. And it's like it all just, like, turned into this amazing thing where all the pieces of the puzzle were there. And so it's almost like when you look back now, like, you can pick out each one of those things and cherry pick, like, yes. Like, these actually, if any one of those wasn't present, I don't think you'd be doing what you're doing right now.
1: First of all, I'm, I'm totally stealing everything you just said. That sounded, <laughs> that sounded amazing. My cheeks are turning red just sitting here. Think, um, so thank you for putting it so so eloquently. And it's funny. I've like I had people email me and say things. You know, somebody's like, "Hey, I, I study behavioral psychology, and I want to thank you for presenting these things in a way that you know is backed by this research." And I'm like, oh, really. <laughs> like, I didn't. I didn't notice. You know, this is years ago. I was like, I just tried to do things the way that I actually wanted to do them, and it turns out that because I was doing them in a way that I knew, and my ways were taken from the games and books and movies that I love, understanding right. that. The behavioral psychology is tied in so so tightly to those things as well. So, you know, the giving us a, a community to be a part of and and rules to abide by and and a way for them to interact with each other, those are just things I didn't have in my own life, and I wanted to provide an opportunity for other people to interact with each other. And I mean, it's pretty cool to see. If you go on our message boards, like it's now been segmented into different guilds depending on how mm-hmm. you like to train. So this is in the throughout the book too, but. Like, how, you know, if you like to strength train, then you're a warrior. If you like to do martial arts, you're a monk. If you like to do parkour and gymnastics, you're an assassin. If you like to do Tai Chi, meditation, yoga, then you are a druid. And our guild, or as the community has grown, like, we've further segmented ourselves into smaller guilds and groups that allow these people to still, like, to even further. Like, they're not just a nerd fitness rebel. They're, like, they're a nerd fitness rebel in the Ranger Guild, and they are completing a six-week right. challenge to get themselves off of sugar. Like, it's pretty freaking cool. And I think one of the best things that, that I did unknowingly is, like, I got it started, and then I got out of the way. Hmm. Like, I let the, like, this is your playground, my children. <laughs> Build it how you would like it. And and they're like, well, we need to have our group set up like this, or why don't we run this? I'm like, Great do it like this is yours like i i want you guys to feel a part of it so now we have 40 something volunteer moderators on our message boards that are running contests and and welcoming new members in with open arms like it's i'm really proud of how supportive and helpful this community has become yeah. for so many people that have kind of wandered aimlessly through the internet i would imagine trying to find that group that speaks their language and now they get to be fit and talk about you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars or whatever. <laughs> like, there was somebody at, at Camp Nerd Fitness uh, that, that happened this past fall. And, like, two people, like, y- yelling at each other. Not really, but very heated debate. And I was like, I went up, I was like, is everything okay? And they were literally debating over Star Trek and Star Wars before they went to the powerlifting competition. I was like, this... It's, it happened. This is it. This is in my head eight years ago when I thought of Nerd Fitness. Like, if you told me this is what would have happened, I I never would have believed it. So it's been pretty cool to watch it come together.
0: That's awesome. I love that. And, and it feels like a good place to have kind of come full circle with this conversation, too. So
1: Heroes, journeys, or circle. Yeah. Um,
0: so the name of this is Good Life Project. So if I offer that term out to you, to live a good life, what does it mean to you? What comes up?
1: To live a good life. I think it... it truly focusing on making sure that any sort of interaction you have with somebody else like it makes it makes their day better as a result of you being a part of it so i think with nerd fitness it's i try to you know we try to think of like we're putting a dent in the universe but it's really important for me to leave this planet a better place than what i inherited so in order to live a good life it's making progress in things that are important to you doing something every day that reminds you that being alive is pretty freaking awesome and it's a it's a gift that s- billions of people would love to have back and don't have that opportunity and then lastly do do good like do something that makes somebody else's life better and if you can find a way to structure your life's work around improving the health or well-being of other people or solves one of their problems i think you cross those three things off like when that game over screen comes years down the road or tomorrow i mean who knows whenever that game over screen rolls around you get to say like you know good game like i, I did it right and i can move on without regrets
0: mm. thank you
1: thanks thanks for having me man this, this mm. is so much fun it's awesome
0: Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you found something valuable, entertaining, engaging, or just plain fun, I'd be so appreciative if you take a couple extra seconds and share it. Maybe you want to email it to a friend. Maybe you want to share it around social media. Or even be awesome if you'd head over to iTunes and just give us a rating. Every little bit helps get the word out, and it helps more people get in touch with the message. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project.